Super Talk Mississippi media production. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. I hope you're having a great day. Welcome to the Coast View. This is a show that celebrates the men and women who are making coastal Mississippi an extraordinarily wonderful place to live, work, and play. I hope you're having a great day. Um, Kyle, it's still cold outside. It is still wintertime for another day and a half. <laughs> Kyle told us yesterday that um, he can tell that it's cold because his tire pressure was down, except in the tire that's got the nail in it. <laughs> Makes absolutely zero sense. It's so funny. And you're you're just going to leave it there? It, it's molded to the tire shape? Yes, it's good. <laughs> good luck to you. Good luck to you. Uh, anyway, you know, this is a this is a, a special topic that we've got today because every day uh, across coastal Mississippi, the local police and sheriff departments uh, are working so hard to keep us safe. Uh, they protect us, uh, and they're working with honor when they do their duties. Um, and they're prepared for anything, anything from terrorism to traffic accidents and literally everything in between. I want to, over the course of the next few months, uh, celebrate the, the men and women who are working in public safety, you know, the either policemen and first responders that are, that are actually risking their lives to protect us. So as a, as a result, uh, I've invited our guest today, and I'm thrilled to have a key representative of the police department, the chief of police for the Gulfport Police Department, Chief Leonard Papania. Good, Good morning. morning. Good morning. I, How are you? I'm doing fantastic, man. And uh, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you joining me this morning. Now I'm excited to be here. Yeah, so... You know, it's a small world. Yeah, you reminded me that when I was at the Sun-Herald and teaching business law at night at Gulf Coast Community College, that you were one of my students. And then I remembered, you were a really good student. Um, and then we, as we chatted offline, you actually, at the time, were working for Maybell. It's called Maybell Manufacturing? That's correct. Yeah. It was a clothing manufacturer that was in Gulfport. And early in my career, I sold advertising, and I used to go call on Flo Williams. And, uh, you know, she and I became friends, and I would see her, every, you know, once a week for a very long period of time. Um, and I was always impressed with the work they were doing there. That was, that was tell it, what was that all about? It, uh, Maybell Manufacturing was a, a company owned uh, uh, by a family here, um, uh, uh, Michael Werby, who was originally from Yazoo City. Uh, had started uh, a sewing a sewing company up there, and then moved it down to the coast. And um, really, at their height, right before NAFTA opened up, um, we had about 140 sew machine operators uh, in Gulfport, another 140 in another plant in Wiggins that they own, and about four domestic. Uh, contractors and uh, two Honduran contractors. Wow! So it, it yeah. was quite big. It's it's always funny. I always tell people I was in ladies' clothing before I became a cop, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, it it always leads to good conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I remember going in <clears throat> to her office, and there were all these um, fashion magazines. Uh, and as irony would have it, I ended up working for them the largest privately owned media company in the United States, and they owned Vogue magazine and oh, wow. Vanity Fair and uh, numerous other magazines published around you know, every continent in the world. But I always thought of my visits with Flo, even when I was in that environment, looking back. 
Amazing time. So what did you do there? Well, it's funny. Uh, mm-hmm. I started there. Um, uh, one of the granddaughters, Helen Warby, and I were uh, good friends from high school. And I was not quite sure what I was going to do in life. And I was about to join the military uh, to help pay for school. And she said, why don't you come work for our family? And uh, so I started there May 21st, 1987, because I turned 21 May 20th, 1987. And uh, uh, uh they gave me a broom and I started sweeping their warehouse. And, uh, over time they kept, uh, allowing me opportunities. And, uh, uh, I started doing time and motion studies. And then I went into scheduling their factory. Uh, matter of fact, uh, uh on Lotus one, two, three, I wrote, I developed a, uh, scheduling program for them. And then, uh, before I left, I was director of manufacturing. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. incredible. And Ron Werby, I remember Ron, he was, uh, a long-time reserve officer. Right, right. So it's a, it's, a, it's a small world. It is. So what brought you to the police department initially? Well, <laughs> you know, it's funny. Uh, uh, we're constantly recruiting, and, and when you're recruiting and hiring young people, you get to hear these fantastic stories. As, as a kid, they knew they wanted to be a police officer, and every step of the way they did to prepare. And, and uh, mine was a buddy of mine. And I were drinking beer one night on a Saturday night, and we watched a new television show called Cops. And I said, man, that's really cool. <laughs> and uh, uh, we realized that you could do volunteer police work. And I thought, that's even cooler. And so we went, and, and this is kind of embarrassing, but this is how life is for me, a haphazard career. We picked up a, a sheriff's auxiliary application and a Gupport police reserve application. The Gupport police reserve application was shorter so we filled that one out and uh, uh april of 91 um i got sworn in as a police reserve and uh, uh quite honestly i knew from that point forward this is what i was going to do so had you gotten a degree from southern mish yet at that time no you went no, back no i yeah. i uh, uh i was one of those career uh, uh people i did a little bit of school and a lot of life along the way and uh um uh, quite frankly, I was dabbling through school, uh, and then I was up for a promotion. I was in narcotics, and me and a good friend of mine, uh, we both wanted the same job, and it was sergeant um, in narcotics. And when they made the selection, I was told that day, you didn't get it because you don't have your education. And I said, well, I'll never hear that again. And I literally left that room, and I, I went down to Southern, sat down with an advisor, and two years later... Uh, my fourth child was seven days old and, uh, I walked and I, I got my uh, degree and, and, but you know, in life, it's funny uh, sometimes we just need that little swift kick of reality yeah, right, to, right. to get us moving along. And yeah. I had, you know, I had a very similar experience. So I, I went, you know, I was in, I was a paramedic early in my life and then was in pre-med and then went to, you know, business and then did an internship at the Sun Herald and never left. And I went on to get my MBA, and someone one day asked me, you know, why, why are you getting an MBA? I said, well, I don't want to be sitting at that table that you were sitting at. Living. Right. And someone tell me, if only you had an MBA. So I just, I just always was making sure I shored everything up as it related to my career. I didn't want to – I wanted to check off all the boxes. Right. So that, you know, ultimately it was going to be your performance that, that spoke the loudest. 
But when you're in a competitive work environment, you know, that one additional thing that you have, like a degree, for example, right. can make all the difference in the world. It did for you. It did. And, and, and you know, I found, and, and you can see throughout life, and, mm-hmm. and as I look back at my life's journey, those moments that at the moment seem terrible inside is a golden nugget if you pay attention to it. And, and if you really focus on those your takeaways in your life's journey can really turn in, 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 in a really great way. It's interesting. John Hairston, um, Jerry St. Pay, Dave Dennis, they all tell similar stories about these moments in time. Like the way John said it is that, you know, you, you get picked or you or that, that whatever that moment is, it's happening to you. you. At the time, you almost don't even feel like you deserve it. Maybe somebody over here deserves right. it better, but you're in the right place at the right time. And whatever that moment is, it changes the trajectory of your life. And the point is, you got to put yourself in a position to define those moments. That people, they they don't they they're not listening, or they're not they're not putting themselves in a position where they can take advantage of that. And throughout your career, there have been lots of moments, hasn't haven't there? There has. Uh, 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 you know, it's it's amazing. Um, you really don't get to choose your future. You can try and navigate those borders, and uh, the things I have found is just really focus on the moment. And uh, uh, I tell everybody, uh, these young officers, when I hire them, I'll ask them, where do you see yourself in five years? And they'll, oh, I want to do this, and I want to do that. And I said, well, here's my advice to you. Just focus on the work you're doing right now mm-hmm. and doing that the best, and you will tend to create doors to both where you want to go and to things you didn't even realize you could go if you just focus on the moment. And I think sometimes we get a little preoccupied, and, and, and I see that more and more, where there's so much people are focused where they want to be, they're not really excelling in the moment. Yeah, it's um, someone said to me once, and um, I've, I'm talking with um, uh, Joe Spragans on Friday, but it's about being the best version of yourself now. And then once you have done that now, you raise the bar again, and then you go do it again, and then you go do it again. And you've had so many best versions of your – you're just constantly raising the bar. Um, If you look at your past, um, you've worked in so many different parts of the police department that really helped prepare you to become the police chief. What are some of those areas you worked in? Well, it's funny. uh, uh, Going back to my story, when when I got in, I really had uh, – an attraction uh, to work in uh, the area of narcotics and drug enforcement. And uh, one of the positions I always wanted, I never got. <laughs> and, and and I wanted to be sergeant in narcotics. Mm. And I got beat out by a more qualified guy. He later became my deputy chief, wow, Chris Lopez. That's great. That's great. So let's do this. Um, I want to continue the, the your journey as, as, a, as a police leader. And uh, I want to talk about some of the challenges in policing today. You know, what what are you facing? And um, you know, we'll we'll continue the conversation with Chief Leonard Papania after this break. Subscribe for free to the Coast View Podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Just like money in your pocket, that's super fun. When you trade with us, you always get our best. Super deals are why, whether you sell or buy. 
So you probably already know, Adventures Pub and Spirits has won awards for local favorites hangout on the coast and best bar on the coast, but you may not know that Adventures also features an excellent lunch special menu Monday through Friday. Homemade lasagna, burgundy beef tips, chicken fried steak, oh, shrimp creole, and more for only $8.95. Oh, my personal favorite, the seafood pie loaded up. Lump crab meat, shrimp and cheese, baked in a flaky pie crust. Adventures Pub and Spirits, one block north of the Hard Rock, next door to City Hall on Lemuse. Finding great candidates to hire can be like, well, trying to find a needle in a haystack. Sure, you can post your job to some job board, but then all you can do is hope the right person comes along, which is why you should try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com free. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. Its powerful technology identifies people with the right experience and actively invites them to apply to your job. You get qualified candidates fast. So while other companies might deliver a lot of hay, ZipRecruiter finds you what you're looking for. The needle in the haystack. See why four out of five employers who post a job in ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. ZipRecruiter. The smartest way to hire. And now you can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free at ZipRecruiter.com slash free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash free. ZipRecruiter.com slash free. Inspire students and elevate learning outcomes with Rico Interactive Whiteboards from RJ Young. Easily write, draw, edit, move, and save information. Connect your laptop or mobile device to turn static content into interactive lessons. Encourage participation with the easy-to-use Windows 10-based controller. To begin empowering educators, visit rjyoung.com whiteboards. Are you going to be turning 65 in the next six months? You really need to start working on your options right now. For the last 50 years, you've trusted Gary Smith to help you with those options, and he's still here for you today. Start looking for a simple card in your mailbox. Not a piece of mail with an 800 number, but a simple card to say hello with a 228 number. That's Gary Smith. Talk to Gary and tell him what you're looking for and what you can afford for your Medicare supplemental insurance and Plan D prescription drug plan. That way you can keep your doctor and your meds. Call the Gary Smith Agency or visit online at GarySmithAgency.net. Our Policy is taking care of you. It's a great time to be on the coast, and we love talking about it. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. We've got Chief Leonard Papania uh, from the Gulfport Police Department with us, and we were just talking about you wanted to have a leadership role in the, in, in, in the drug enforcement area. Talk, talk more about that. What, what was what was the appeal of that to you? It, it, it to me, it was very engaging work. And uh, as I look back at it, it, it was some of the uh, uh, great memories of of law enforcement. Uh, there was a lot of excitement in looking back. There was a, uh, you know, we a lot of risk taking, and and uh, you know, camaraderie. I, I played high school football, and and if ever you. You know, you want to go back to a team sport. Uh, law enforcement is definitely a way to go. Public safety is definitely a way to go. But uh, and 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 you know, uh, you hear so many things on the national level about the war or the yeah the war on drugs and and this and that. Um, there's a lot to that. There's a lot to that. And uh, if you look at any community and you start looking at crime, you can almost associate. 60 to 70 percent of your demand on law enforcement to some nexus of substance and substance abuse 
and and so it does have a big impact on us um you know how we go about uh addressing that uh a lot a, a lot of talk time could occur on that i will tell you uh uh back in the day you know it was about catching bad guy and and locking them up and and seeing how many years of sentencing and 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 it's funny how in life uh, uh, and, and I say this all the time and, and, and I'll talk more. There's moments in life that prepare you for your next step. And, and we talked about, uh, education and academics, but that's really, uh, uh, when you look at your, your education, how much of it really did impact who you are and what is in your life, maybe for different people, uh, uh th- that can be different, but the life's journey has been the biggest educational process for me. And, and I, I, I'll tell you, and it's something I don't share often, but to understand me and to what motivates me, I can't not tell this story. And, uh, uh, I have four children, love my kids. Uh, I have a wonderful wife, Angela, um, we have been together since 1988, uh, and and she has been my rock. Um, she she has she has managed this uh, this person for many years, and and she's my go-to. But we got faced with something that uh, you know, and looking back, is ironic. You know, here I was uh, uh, excelling in law enforcement. Um, uh, I was a very strong uh, detective in in narcotics. But uh, as, as my career progressed, uh, after Katrina, I became, when Alan Weatherford became chief of police, uh, he asked me if I would want to be commander of operations. And I said, yeah. And, and it was early in my career, only 12 years in, and making commander, which is the third man uh, in, in the team, of uh, the administrative team. And, and so I took it. And uh, contemporary to that time in life, uh, addiction came into my family and it came in with a with a major vengeance and um you know in law enforcement sometimes we can be callous and and there's a we keep a a big line between us and the people we contact and uh in in a lot of ways sometimes i think we do it in a way that's not so healthy and and we do it with an us against them and and for a, a long time i i believe i subscribed to that uh but uh as there was the good guys and the bad guys uh, certainly you know anybody yeah. that uh anybody using drugs uh you know they're ruining our society and mm-hmm. and what a burden they are and look at how much work it takes because they're you know they're they're using drugs or they're selling drugs and stuff and and you know it was such a a, a shallow vision of a deep problem and and in some ways i get it because uh, uh nothing educates you like life right and uh, uh i think god finally said you know what uh you're lacking education and and addiction came into our lives and um you know my my oldest son um it started small mm-hmm. and here i was excelling I had a great career in narcotics. I was uh, uh, two years. I was worked street level. Two years, I was assigned to the Mississippi Bureau of Narco- Narcotics, and then two years, I was assigned to DEA. You mm. would think I know something, mm-hmm. and um, I didn't. 
uh, I didn't see the telltale signs, uh, and uh, it grew in severity, and um, and like so many families that have this, um, either addiction and mental health or the dual diagnosis of both, mm-hmm. they have it in their family, and, and, and like so many people, it's the dirty little secret, mm-hmm. the, the elephant you try and hide every day. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, my wife and I find, uh, found ourselves dealing with that on a daily basis, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, I was excelling in law enforcement, and I couldn't figure out our own home environment. And... Um, while I can't remember the chronology of everything, it 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 was all consuming, mm-hmm. and you know there were there were days it was easier to be at work than it was to try and navigate what was going on in our own home, and and so um, this lasted uh, quite some time, and and I always say some things build us up for others, and and the whole time. You know, by nature, us in law enforcement, we're controllers, we're alphas. So certainly, if addiction is present, I need to control that. I need to make this get better. And and um, I learned a lot from that. Mm-hmm. And And really, a turning point for me with it was the day I accepted I can't control that. And, and it came... Um, it, it, it came through a lot of ways. Uh, 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 somebody told me one time, you need to go to Al-Anon. Mm-hmm. And I went to that. Mm-hmm. And I was very uncomfortable. And I thought, oh, this is like a cult. <laughs> but then I started listening, yeah. and, and I realized there are things in life you cannot control. And it's mm-hmm. truly, you know, I learned the prayer of serenity. And, and why does all this matter? Because it was building me to be a better public servant at what I do. And, uh, uh, you know, there were, there were some very, uh, tragic moments. Um, there were ER visits there, there were overdoses, there was treatment facilities and, and the whole time, uh, uh, I'm trying to be a police leader. I used to laugh sometimes when I was deputy chief and people would call me and say, can you talk to my kid? Mm-hmm. And I'd say, who am I? I can't even talk to my own. And, and we learned a lot about addiction. And uh, um, uh, as I was preparing to become, compete uh, uh, to be a chief of police of Gulfport, um, we were in the middle of some of this. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it, was, it was difficult, but I was also at a point where I was coming to a better understanding. And, and uh, if, if you recall, uh, our selection process for some reason, it became very elongated. It was like eight months, but in looking back, it was a blessing. But it gave me a time to contemplate a lot of things. And, and there were four words that I came up with that I measure myself by daily. And it's humility, compassion, accountability, and accessibility. And there is nothing more humbling as mm-hmm. a law enforcement officer to have the problem in your own home. It makes you it makes you empathy. You know, empathy no matter what kind of business you're in is such an important what no matter where you are in your life, the ability to walk a mile in another person's uh shoes, it taught you empathy. And it taught you that to be a leader 
um, of of a police force uh, that you know it, it's there's so many gray areas that exist today. The the ability to reach out to people and understand what they're going through ultimately probably helped you open your eyes to the homeless situation. It it, it opened my eyes to the world. It mm-hmm. opened my eyes, and you say to learn to walk in other people's shoes. Sometimes we just need to figure out our own pair of shoes. Mm-hmm. And uh, 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 one of the things I learned is I need to focus on me. Mm-hmm. And 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 some people, you know, that's difficult uh, uh, because I know there was a point in time where I was an enabler. You know, your dad. This is somebody you love. And 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 here's an ironic moment in life. I had been around addicts. I made a career out of it. And and I had been around addiction. And it had never affected me till it was somebody I love, mm-hmm. somebody very important to me. And even at the worst moment, that you know that love didn't go away, and and life has gotten better, mm-hmm. but not because of what I did for him, but what I did for myself in coming to the realization I have limits. On, on what I really control in life. Yeah. Well, humility, as you as you pointed out, what a what an important part of um, of life. What a great, really important lesson to learn. I, I like to say that the more we learn, the better. The more we better learn how much we don't know, and that that that, that awareness of what you don't know keeps you wanting to learn, keeps you humble. Um, hey, when we come back, let's continue this part of the conversation, and then we'll get into some of the challenges you faced as as a police chief. Uh, but thank you for sharing that personal story. That's terrific. We have the police chief for the city of Gulfport, uh, Chief Leonard Papania, and we'll be back after this break. That's all. Bullet points. I'm Evan Brown. Could it be that after more mass shootings, more people will want so-called red flag laws aimed at taking firearms from mentally unstable people? People that are insane, people that are sick up here, I don't want them to be able to get a gun. President Trump likes the idea on its face, as if now nobody with documented mental illness or aggression issues would get flagged in a background check. In addition, the same individual may not have any records that rise to the level of commitment or adjudication. Adeline Alchin's group supports red flag laws, but what could stop someone from trying to take your guns away just because they don't like you? Amy Swear with the Heritage Foundation. When properly constructed to afford robust due process protections, red flag laws may provide an important mechanism for intervention with regard to both suicides and mass public shootings. And those are your bullet points. I'm Evan Brown, Fox News. Everyone in my family uses electricity differently. But when it comes to our Touchstone Energy Cooperative, we all think about it the same way. The co-op is power. power. Sure, electricity turns the lights on, but power is the information I get from my co-op about efficiency, safety, technology, and I trust the co-op because we We are are the the co-op. They're our neighbors. Our friends. Our home. Brought to you by Coast Electric and Singing River Electric, your Touchstone Energy Cooperatives. Well, New Year's resolutions are great, but we don't need one to keep having the largest selection of beer in Mississippi, along with the best selection of CBD, herbal products, and smoking accessories. Double Shop. Double Shop has been doing this since 2012 and perfecting it even more every year. 
original home to the mix and match six pack. Now, Double Shop has the best quality CBD and herbal products for feel good quality of life, plus a great selection of wine, liquors, especially high end bourbons, and party supplies that help celebrate life so you don't have to stick to your New Year's resolutions. Double Shop will do it for you. And sign up for the free Double Shop loyalty program. Start collecting stars with your very first purchase. Enrollment is free and easy. Get signed up today. Double Shop, 50 yards north of Exit 50 on the right-hand side. And like Double Shop on Facebook. So don't worry about sticking to your New Year's resolution. Double Shop will do it for you. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Have you made your New Year's resolution yet? Resolve to make 2020 a year to remember with a new lifestyle. At Arbor Properties, you'll discover features, amenities, and services that are only found in an Arbor Properties community. Whether you're looking to actively unwind in one of five fully equipped fitness studios, enjoy the free fitness classes, or reserve a spot with a personal trainer, Arbor Properties is the place to conquer your fitness goals. Arbor Properties Apartment Homes features granite countertops, custom cabinetry, luxury flooring, and upgraded fixtures. Arbor Properties' resolution is to ensure your living experience is nothing less than exceptional. Arbor Properties isn't just a place to live, it's a way of life. Let Arbor Properties help make 2020 your best year yet. Find your new home at Arbor View D'Iberville, Arbor Landing on the River in Biloxi, Arbor Place Biloxi, Arbor Village at Pass Road Gulfport, or Arbor Station in Long Beach. Like Arbor Properties on Facebook. Does climbing the flight of stairs to your elevated home make your joints ache? Need an outdoor elevator for your home or business? ELS Lifts provides residential, commercial, and cargo lifts designed to withstand the harsh coastal environment. To simplify your elevated living needs, every ELS lift is fabricated with marine grade aluminum using stainless cables and hardware available for beach homes commercial buildings barns and even houseboats call 888-990-LIFT or visit elslifts.com hey i'm steve azar and you never know who or what you'll hear when i spend a mississippi minute with my friends we are with the fabulous norbert putnam as he played on so many hit records you can't count them and produced for some of the biggest acts ever. We got to talk Jimmy Buffett. One day at breakfast, he says, uh, I started a new song. So it's about a night and a day in, in Key West. I played a bar and I got drunk. And coming home, I stepped out of my flip-flop and I just kept going. I stepped on a beer can. And <laughs> the next morning, I'm up and I'm hungover and I'm trying to make a margarita. I got some shrimp boiling. I can't find the salt. I said, Jimmy, I kind of like this. And he said, yeah, I think I'll call it Margaritaville. In a Mississippi Minute. Be sure to check out In a Mississippi Minute with me, Steve Azar, right here on your local Super Talk Mississippi station and now on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. The Mississippi Power Weather Center. Your weather now. Now. Partly sunny today with a high near 52. We're looking at cloudy skies tonight. 50% chance of showers after midnight. Lows in the mid-40s. Showers are likely tomorrow at 80%. We'll see a high near 60 tomorrow night. 70% chance of rain mostly before 1 a.m. Mostly cloudy. Low near 50. Visit MississippiPower.com slash ways to save to learn about programs and resources that can help you save energy and money on your electric bill. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. 
Welcome back. We're having a just a terrific conversation with the chief of police for the Gulfport Police Department, Chief Leonard Papania. And in the last segment, he talked about how um, challenges and addiction in his own family actually helped him become a better leader and a better person. Uh, how's your son today? He's doing well. He's yeah. doing well because he chose to do well. Mm-hmm. And and uh, probably that was the greatest turning point and, and, and the best lesson. As I told you earlier, in every tragedy, there's golden nuggets. And, and mine was realizing that... I had no control over it and accepting that and backing yeah. away and finding a better place with it. But he's doing well. Um, uh, and, and you know, we talk on a regular basis, yeah. and, and it, it's good. I have my yeah. son back. Good. That's awesome. I talked to, to Todd Trenchard yesterday. If you didn't have an opportunity to hear that, you can go to Facebook or YouTube and listen to that conversation. But, man, it's an inspiring conversation about about addiction and how he came back and how long it took him to come back. But there is a light at the end of the tunnel and, and he found it and your son found it. And thank God for that. When I was in new Orleans, I had the opportunity to spend time with uh, Mitch Landry, the mayor of new Orleans. And we, we spent a lot of time talking about the challenges in the police force in new Orleans. But as I learned from him, these are challenges that are facing police forces across the entire United States. Things like retention, things like, recruitment, um, mental health, you mentioned. Why don't we take just a few minutes um, and talk about that? But I want to first say you're retiring on August the 31st. Yes. August the 31st. And we'll talk about in just a few minutes what you're going to do once you retire. But your successor is going to take a, a, a police force that is, that is in pretty good shape but still faces challenges. What are some of the challenges you face and that your successor will face? I think it continues to be a a problem. Uh, When I came on board with Gulfport Police Department, it was with the intent to retire from there. And and I'm almost there. Uh, But we don't see that anymore. Uh, uh, We, in in a lot of ways, I feel like we're uh, like the military. You're hoping to get a four-year stint out of somebody. Um, uh, and, And the turnover is immense. It takes 25 years to replace a 25-year employee. Mm-hmm. And you may fill the slot in one day, but I always ask somebody, do you want a 15-year veteran coming to your home when you've been burglarized, or do you want a 15-month veteran? Mm-hmm. And and we have to contemplate those things, but um, uh, you know, the last probably decade has been extremely difficult on law enforcement, and, and there's a lot of reasons behind it. Uh, the national media uh, uh, selected a maybe what was good for them, but a, a very adverse position against law enforcement. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have been vilified, and and in so many ways we did not earn it. Mm-hmm. You know there are some things in with when you look back at the history of law enforcement, and um, uh, uh, especially our relationship with the African-American community, there's some less than stellar moments for law enforcement that we have to be willing to have that conversation and that talk about if we truly want to move forward in addressing race and race relations in our country because we are by no means where we need to be. And, and law enforcement has a certain uh, uh, history there that we have to be willing to talk about. And and so many times that important topic gets clouded by uh, uh, a lot of spin the media puts mm-hmm. on it that 
uh, it's not healthy. And again, by no means uh, uh, do I dismiss some of the sordid past that law enforcement has Mm. in that. I was was telling you before the show that I did a little research on the thin blue line and where it came from, you know, back in the 1800s. And then it was first the thin red line. Then it became the thin blue line to talk about the, the the U.S. Army, and then in you know through the fifties and sixties and seventies, it became really a defining characteristic about how law enforcement was between you know people and maybe the bad side of the world. And then it wasn't until recently, unfortunately, and this and this is referring to the point that you made about media, is that we have uh, the the you know have unfortunately white supremacist groups have used that. You've got um, too often people have used that symbol as a counter protest to Black Lives Matter. So it's a it, it's really unfortunate what has happened. And what you're trying, what you're saying is that aside from that, there's work we need to do in the community to improve race relations. But we've got to be willing to have the conversation. And too often we're not doing that. Correct. So I, I remember speaking. Uh, uh, I was invited to speak to the NAACP one night and. Uh, when I got up there, one of the first questions posed to me is, uh, Chief, what are the demographics of your police department? Mm-hmm. And at the time, we were, were about uh, about 90% white. Mm-hmm. And uh, the question was posed to me then, what are you doing to fix it? Mm-hmm. And I said, I think the real important question tonight is, what is the NAACP doing to fix it? Because there is a history there where... There are members of our African-American community that are still alive today that experience some very negative positions to include some with law enforcement. And so I have an appreciation for it. But in order for us to move forward, we need our communities to encourage our young people to Mm -hmm. go into law enforcement and to be a part of it. And then we in law enforcement have to make it a place where everybody fits in. Mm-hmm. Uh, every time I go up to USM and speak to a, uh, a class up there, my first question is, how many of you think you look like a police officer? Yeah. All the white, ball-headed guys throw their hands up. Mm-hmm. All those hands need to come up. Mm-hmm. But we don't need to do it by numbers. We need to do it because it's the right thing and, and get that diversity. So we're talking to Chief Leonard Papania. You, you also mentioned that mental health is a challenge. Talk about that. For it sure. is. It is. Um, uh, so many calls to service. We send our officers on, and they are faced with people who are in mental health crisis. And and while law enforcement needs to be prepared to engage that, we need better systems in place. We need better resources that go beyond a police officer trying to figure it out. Uh, we uh, just last week we had more officers uh, graduate in crisis intervention training, and uh, uh, it is a fantastic model that teaches our officers de-escalation, how to recognize mental health episodes, and but there's also an expectation that these officers will be connected to a single point of entry, uh, uh, entry to where they can bring. They will have the statutory authority after they receive this training to bring in people who are in acute episodes and not have to put a charge on them to get them moving. Mm -hmm. So we're moving in a right way, but the state of Mississippi really needs to take a hard look at where we are. If you go back in 2011 when the Department of Justice sent a letter to Haley Barber, our then um, governor, and said you need to decentralize mental health, 
Well, we reduce centralized mental health, but we have not shored up our community. Uh, they said you have to find community solutions, and I don't think we're there. Right. So how how have body cameras changed things? Well, you, no one's talking about them anymore, are they? It was a big subject about four or five years ago, mm-hmm. and we all spent the money, and guess what it revealed? Sometimes the public is just really ugly, mm-hmm. and it did not generate what I believe the media was looking for. Mm-hmm. I like them because it allows me as an administrator to take a look, but I would challenge anybody else. Who else is willing to wear a camera all day at work? Yeah. And, and be judged about every moment they're at work. And and I do believe we need to hold police to high regard. But uh, uh, as it turns out, so many times, what we said was exactly what we were experiencing. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's, a, it's a tough situation. What You think it's the generation. Your generations, the, the generation that um, is working, young people who are working today, they don't look at a job for life, whether they're a police officer or whether they're working for the power company. As a general rule, they don't stay with one company for a long time. They'll move to the next thing. It's kind of instant gratification or whatever you want to call it. But what are the additional things that are on a young cop that, that, um, that's just, that, that helps, that contributes to the lack of retention? In the use of force continuum, You know, the most extreme use of force is deadly force. Mm -hmm. On the other end, it's called police presence. And it used to be the mere presence of a police officer would tend to elicit cooperation. And I think on a national level, and we don't experience it to any degree like we see on TV, but on a national level, they've worked hard to diminish Mm -hmm. the respect of law enforcement so what, what does that mean? The police presence is no longer part of something we're able to use. Law enforcement has to escalate cooperation now yeah. because we've diminished that respect. Yeah, that's really unfortunate. That's really unfortunate. But it's good to hear that our experience here in coastal Mississippi is not nearly what... Oh, we got it good on the coast. ...what you see on the... And I think that's because people here are generous, and as a general rule, they're respectful, and um, you know, there's always going to be a, you know, a standout situation. But if it, as a general rule, I agree, we're, we're very lucky here. The people here are the reason why coastal Mississippi is such a great place to live, work, and play. In our final segment, I want to finish anything about the challenges, but I want to shift gears because uh, the chief is moving on after he retires to be involved in an incredibly worthwhile cause. And I want to give him a chance to talk about that. Chief Leonard Propania from the Gulfport Police Department will be back after this break. Sometimes the issues of life require the assistance of a professional. Whether it involves an asbestos-related disease such as mesothelioma, personal injury from an accident, a real estate issue, or even an impending arrest charge, you need the help of an attorney. Cumbest, Cumbest, Hunter, and McCormick have more than 100 years combined experience representing the interests of Jackson County and Gulf Coast clients. Cumbest, Cumbest, Hunter, and McCormick. Proud to support the Ole Miss Rebels. 762-5422. CCHMLawyers.com. Summer days, winter nights, my heat and air ain't working right. 
Before my troubles get any worse, I'll pick up the phone and sing this verse. Barnes, oh Barnes, won't you help me? Barnes Heating and Air. Hello, Barnes Heating and Air. Barnes Heating and Air, 832-9457. 832-9457. 2020 is here, and it's clear that this is the year for a new John Deere. It's time to do more. More cutting, more planting, more hauling. Think SunSouth. More pulling, grading, and lifting. Think SunSouth. More digging and clearing. You got it. Think SunSouth. Right now, you can drive a new John Deere 3025 tractor package, including tractor, loader, box blade, five-foot rotary cutter, and a 7x20 trailer, all for as low as $285 a month. Or save up to $4,300 off a John Deere 1025R with loader. 2020. New year, new deer, and SunSouth is the clear choice for the most dependable, most affordable equipment made. Clearly better, clearly affordable, John Deere and SunSouth. Helping you do more and save more with the best prices on the best equipment. Visit your neighbors at SunSouth or shop online at sunsouth.com. Some restrictions apply. See dealer for details. Offer ends January 31st, 2020. When you need to pick up a last-minute birthday card or gift, stop into Love's Pharmacy and Gifts and pass Christiane. Yes, Love's is a full-service pharmacy, combining local hospitality and affordability. When half of the store has unique gifts, beautiful decorations for your home, fragrances, and free gift wrapping, you only have to make one stop. Love's Pharmacy and Gifts, 12345 Vidalia Road in Pass Christiane. If you love great service with a smile, you'll love Love's Pharmacy, with a second location now open in Ocean Springs. Are your drains draining slow? Did you know this could be the beginning of a bigger problem with your plumbing system? At Masterflow Plumbing, we keep your pipes flowing. Serving the Gulf Coast commercial and residential markets. Masterflow Plumbing, from water to sewer lines, toilets to water heaters, or faucets to clogged drains. If it has a pipe and it quits flowing, Masterflow will keep it going. See a leak in your kitchen, bath, or yard? Call Masterflow Plumbing. We know leaks inside and out. Proudly serving the Mississippi Gulf Coast. Call 228-870-0471 or visit masterflowplumbing.net. Hey, I'm Steve Azar, and you never know who or what you'll hear when I spend a Mississippi Minute with my friends. Talking to Paul Thorne, Mississippi, true treasure, uh, really incredible recording artist, singer, songwriter, has been doing it a long time, doing it the right way. It's almost like a Forrest Gump thing because uh, I was a boxer, slash, I worked in a furniture factory, slash, I had a gig two nights a week playing my acoustic guitar, in a pizza restaurant, slash, I was in the National Guard, <laughs> and, wow. uh, you know, all this stuff was going on at the same time. Slash, I had a writing contract with Rick Hall in fame. In a Mississippi Minute. Be sure to check out In a Mississippi Minute with me, Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi, the Super Talk Mississippi app, and now available on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. His love for the coast is why he's here. It's Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back. We've got Chief Leonard Papania from the Gulfport Police Department with me this morning. And we've had, we've really covered the waterfront from his early days through his own personal uh, family challenges with addiction and, and then on to his life as the police chief and then the challenges that they faced along the way. But I'm really interested to learn more about his passion for the homeless. He's actually involved in an organization called Open Doors Homeless Coalition. 
And in fact, when he retires in August, he's actually going to be committing a, a significant amount of his time there. So why don't you talk a little bit about how that came up and where that passion comes from? Uh, it takes us really back to last spring. Um, there was uh, ongoing uh, concerns, and it was always being sent to the police department about the uh, increasing presence of unsheltered homeless people in, in our city. And uh, as we all know, uh, homelessness is a human condition. It's not a crime. It used to be on the books you could charge someone for being a vagrant. It used to be you could charge somebody for panhandling. That's mm-hmm. not the case anymore. Mm-hmm. And, and we as a society decided those don't need to be laws anymore. So we as a society need to assume our responsibility, and how do we address this? So we were trying to uh, wrap our head around the problem at the beginning of the summer, and when we looked at it, we said, we need to do a census, do a count. So I reached out to Open Doors Homeless Coalition and Salvation Army said, look, we've got this homeless issue going on in our city. We want to do a head count. We're probably going to go into all the camps. Would you all want to go with us? Well, we all sat at a table, and a conversation started. And I always assumed, and shame on me for thinking this way, but I always thought, well, you know, Salvation Army, they they give them sandwiches and and, and give them better tents and open doors. It's always making sure the homeless are comfortable out in the woods. They're perpetuating the problem. I quickly learned we all had the same desire. We wanted to end unsheltered homelessness. And once we realized that, we sat down as a group. We formed uh, a, a mission statement. And we meet every two weeks. And and the key to this program and what has led me to want to go to work for Open Doors is we solve problems by name. Mm -hmm. Just like my son, when he was having a situation, he had a unique set of situations. We all have a family member who has a hodgepodge of issues going on, and you have to solve it by the person. Mm -hmm. Well, the whole approach of Open Doors is the same way. We look at the individual, and we try and solve their individual problems to lead them to... So, Leonard, what what did the uh, census reveal? The census revealed, uh, uh, you know, we have quite a number. And what we ultimately do now is my officers on their cell phones have an app, and it's called Counting Us. When they engage a homeless person, they'll enter it, and then we start working on that situation. Now, a lot of the homeless come and go before you even get to affect them. 30% of all the ones my officers have engaged over the last, since uh, November is when we really kicked off, 30% have been moved into permanent housing. Wow. Not not yeah. some dormitory somewhere. They're living like everybody else. That's terrific. What What would have happened to them before? They would have remained out. They would have remained out. A lot of people think, well, they choose to do that. Mm-hmm. You'd be surprised how few people to really choose to live how that way. How many kids do you find? Uh, kids, you uh, uh, it, it's not a lot, but mm-hmm. we find a lot of uh, moms mm-hmm. with uh, small children. Mm-hmm. A lot of people get a couple of checks behind, and they're homeless. They're living out of their cars, and we move quickly to uh, take care of them. Wow. Uh, that's I, I really appreciate your work there, and I followed it on Facebook, and... Um, it's something we've always got to be focused on, but I love the idea of not just trying to keep them fed and keep them warm, but give them a home. Thirty percent is a really good number. Yeah, you know, and and kudos to the people that uh, uh, give them da- daily uh, uh, food and stuff like that. But really, our mm-hmm. goal is to move them into sheltered 
permanent housing and then let's start working on jobs and let's get those lives put back together so in the minute we have left um how, how do you want to be remembered as police chief of the city of Gulfport? I just want to be remembered that he made a difference and, and he helped this city and he loved this city. I, I see that. I see that in you that you're, it's, it's great to have a leader with a heart. And it wasn't just your son's challenges. It was, it was you. It was, it was who you were coming into this, um, that you have the ability to, to lead with passion and a heart and even in preparing for this, you said there are no there are no topics out of bounds that we can go anywhere you want to go in the conversation. And um, you know the fact that you've you've you bring humility to the table that you're that you're willing to say what you don't know. You provided really good leadership, and it's going to be great to watch you uh, as you as you move on. August thirty first is that the official date? That's right. That's yeah. right. August thirty first when you move on. Um, to the, you're actually going to be working directly with Open Doors Homeless Coalition, correct? That's correct. Yeah, as an employee or volunteer or what? As as an employee. Yeah. So, so you're going to have a key role there. I really look forward to watching you there, and and maybe in six months or so, we'll get you back. I'd love you can to come talk back. Talk about what yeah. you're learning, and you know, where do we go from here? So, any any final thoughts? No, it's uh uh. uh it's been a great day, great talk, and, and I, I look forward to remaining a part of my Gulf Coast community, just yeah. a new role. Well, God bless you, and thank you for your service, and we look forward to seeing you next time. Very good. Okay. Well, we'll have uh, Roland Weeks, my former mentor at the Sun-Herald, tomorrow. I can't wait. I get to have a conversation with my mentor. What a history he has here in coastal Mississippi, and uh, it ought to be a terrific discussion. So join us tomorrow. Until then, have a great day. Follow Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on Twitter at Super Talk MSGC. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.